0: This is Twetia from Saqsi English Community and today I'm having with me Asala. Welcome Asala. Hi Twetia, I'm so glad to be here. I'm happier to have you here. So today, me and Asala are going to talk about a topic that is both interesting and confusing at the same time. Um, I'm sure that so many of you may have wondered about it before and so without taking long we go straight into the topic we are going to talk about the third world um basically whenever this topic is brought up to discussion you can find two sides like one side that it convinced and believing in the idea of that the third word has became like a destiny or a fate to the countries that it consisted of and they believe that um there is no possibility that a country from the third world can develop and join the first world. And the, the other side like just deny all this and just uh, like consider it as a big drama. And they said that it's just a classification. Every country can develop and work hard and join the first world. It's just based on data and there is no thing, nothing called fate or um, destiny. So, As you all know, and, um, we all know that the, the third word is used to refer the poor and, or developing nations, uh, by contrast, like wealthier countries such as the United States or, um, the West, the nations of the Western Europe are described being part of the first world. So this may, like, makes us, um, uh, que- ask questions and say why are words countries classified in the first place and why we often hear about the first word and the third isn't there a second word so i would be glad if you can answer this Asala.
1: so as tia said the third word um reference to use it sounds like an easy term to get our ideas through and it surfaced on the cold war where we had the first word as the united states of america representing the capitalist and the liberal kind of side and we have the second word which is the soviet union china and so on so the third word was generally countries who were colonized and they seemed unreal and relevant so we didn't care which side I would pick you know they would be like um like their country, their land would be just a warland because usually the Cold War is a Cold War, but we would use third world countries as the land where all the um, the armed forces will meet and the real war will start. Exactly. So the third world that's why the third world remained colonized and um, just destroyed after the Cold War.
0: Uh-huh. And basically, because most of the the countries of the third world were poor, it became like something to refer the poor and undeveloped world.
1: Yeah, that that is the case, which is very unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I just want, because it is yeah,
1: wait, yeah, because it is a result of the war of two huge uh, two huge powers and the third countries who were... Usually, very um, out of this discussion, they they paid the price of the fight. Yeah,
0: the two giants. Yeah, it, it worked like this. I just want to mention mention that the first person who um, like invented this word was um, uh, Alfred Sauvy, a French uh, demographer. Uh, he wrote an article uh, under mm-hmm. the title Three Words, One Planet," um, published in L'Observateur in 1952. Yeah,
1: yeah, he was offered Soviet, and
0: that's a great point, that's a great word to describe it. Yeah, Um, so basically Asala, this classification is outdated, like we're talking about the Soviet Union and the Western capitalism, and there is no Cold War, and there is no Soviet Union, Um, so why do you think we still use this, the first word to refer the best world, and the third word to um, refer the poor countries, even though, like, it's it's not only outdated, but this wasn't what it was created for. All right.
1: Yeah, th- this might seem very insulting to a lot of a lot of uh, countries. So yeah, in the essay, what does yeah that was published in 2003 in the Journal of Contemporary History, the historian Thomason writes. Although the phrase was widely used, it was never clear whether it was a clear category of analysis or simply a convenient and rather vague label of an imprecise collection of states. So in the second half of the 20th 20th century and some of the common problems that they faced. So as I said, is it something that we used on our daily vocabulary and something easy to get our ideas through, or it is a real real and um, a real classification that has its own data and it is really based on real uh calculations
0: yeah so like this this um this term or this label created a debate like uh, uh so many economists um, um politicians presidents refuse this classification especially that it became like used in um, in something that is not what it was created for, and so many economists like have this to debate for. They said that um, if the first world is is, um, is the best world, why do we have poverty in the United States? And they said like if the if, if the third world is the poor world, like we can find an affluent country like the the Saudi Arabia. They are very rich, and we all know that, but they still belong into uh, the 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 third world, so it, it really doesn't make sense, and it created a conflict. And uh, so many people refused this, and they found it very insulting and confusing. And this what pushed um, uh, economists to find new words that it seemed more convenient.
1: Yeah, and now that makes us think on what was this classification classification based on? Maybe it's the society system of the of the country maybe it's its economic power so or its political system we actually don't really know exactly yeah. what are the
0: the origins
1: yeah what what actually characterizes this classification yeah. so uh we can go on and say that so sometimes we use another uh, reference which is um low and lower middle income countries for short uh, as an acronym so this is more based on the economic um, characteristic so maybe this is a better classification if we use low income and great income based on the gdp or gdp of the country yeah. so maybe this is maybe if we base this classification on something concrete and real, maybe it's a good solution.
0: Yeah. And I actually um, Yeah. Yeah, sorry for interrupting. Yeah, go ahead. No. And go ahead. And they actually try to find more convenient words and uh, like as you said, something based on data, um, low and lower middle income countries. Um but before this um this classification they tried the developing world and it was also um a debate point because so many of them uh, accepted it and they said that it seems accurate and we're talking about countries that need to develop better health systems, better schools, better ways to bring water and electricity to people. And some of them really accepted it and welcomed it and said that it's a good um, it's a good word or term to use uh, because like developing the saying that developing words just, just gives energy and hope um, to be developed. But some of them were just developing haters, and they said, um, "Who are you to uh, to classify countries and decide who's developed and who's not developed?" Because uh, some some of them even like yeah, even some economists from from the United States refused it and said that this is um, this is really insulting for. Pe- for the people coming from the third world, of, from developing nations, it refers them as lazy, ignorant and irresponsible. Like being from the, the developing um, world means like you're lazy to, to join the developing world. Mm they can they can easily turn very judgmental. Exactly, yeah. And some of them try to find a solution. They just, okay, let's just make a classification based on geographic uh, classification. Because they, you know, when the majority of poor countries are in mm-hmm. the Southern Hemisphere and... Uh, That's why they decided to call it the Global South. But some countries refused this because they were located in in the South, but they were developed uh, such as Australia and New Zealand. And what you said before, like uh, the classification based on data uh, was like... he, yeah, exactly. South of Africa. Yeah, um, like what you said before, like the classification based on data, seemed to be like convenient. Like we're gonna we're gonna classify the world based on data, and even this um, has has some haters and because some said like uh, some countries didn't do very well at counting and estimating um, the the gross domestic product, so we can't really, really use it. Yeah, and um, and
1: yeah, as you said, a lot of people were kind of triggered and insulted by it. So, and it was actually a lot of times attached to colonialism. And so, yeah, it was, as I said, very attached to colonialism. And, and uh, it brings up pains of countries that suffered from it. So... So I said, so this classification generally triggers uh, feelings in the minds of a lot of people, especially Africans. It reminds them of colonialism. And why is it still alive in our minds,
0: in the minds of Africans? Why is it so easy to trigger back? Yeah, because uh, as I said, like some people, the haters of developing um, nations or the haters of uh, the global south, the haters of uh, low middle income and uh, lower middle income countries. Uh, I just want to mention that this classification was made by the World Health Health Organization. Like they hated Mm -hmm. all these uh, labels and they said that this relationship between the developing and uh the developed countries it's the new relationship between um like between the the, how can i say um the new colonialism like it's it's the new relationship between the, the 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 countries that colonized africa the colonizer colonized a relationship sorry I just found the word so they said that the All right. developed, developing relationship exactly. in many ways replaces the colonizer colonized relationship like so many of them just believe that it's the it's the mm-hmm. extension of the the colonialism like this made us think why do they still believe that um the the, the colonialism is still alive in Africa and so many countries belonging to developing nations.
1: Yeah, we can see that a lot of economic relationships and a lot of um, general relationships, a lot of political and diplomatic um, links and ties are still placing the colonized in its place. And the person who colonized the country in its place, they seem to always be in the position of power Yeah, because they could develop themselves very quickly. And yeah, and they could, and they actually have that power. Yeah. Uh, Because they are more industrially developed than us, and they have more resources. So, they can control us, and we still feel that colonialism, and And we still feel like we still following their culture and
0: every aspect. Yeah, and somehow like developing nations or developing countries um, are under the developed countries. So they somehow they belong to them or they are, they are under their controls. That's why that's what push Africans and others uh, to believe that it's it's the extension of colonialism.
1: Yeah, and because they have a lot of interests in the third world community as i said they are they have very very uh strong economic ties so they want to protect their interests so that's why we see that they interfere in our politics and every time something happens now that have had very strong links to us just to protect their uh, because they're still implanted here one way or another
0: yeah, Um there was a journalist that really wrote some art one article that uh, it was like harsh on the United States and the British government. I just want to yeah. like he's called um, Ozaki BP Hari, He's a Nigerian journalist. He wrote for the Guardian newspaper under the title uh, "British colonialism still plays a major role in the tragedies and disasters we see in Africa today." So. I just want to read some like some some sentences that it really got my attention. He said that the co- sure, yeah, me. thanks. The current situation is down to the failure of Western powers, particularly in um the United States and the British government, who feels they are the custodians of almighty power and believe that could do as they wished in Africa without any blowback. And in this paragraph, he explained that um the the the, the, uh, the power of the United States and British government isn't like it was before, and they are losing their powers. That's why they are using the resources of Africans, everything that Africa had um, to take and just like uh, empower them and give their powers a push up again. and he also said that the media also plays a major role. He mentioned that the one easily finds stories about the devastating problems in Africa caused by famine and other disasters on the BBC, but you cannot find news and analysis that informs you about the billions of dollars stolen of, out of Africa and kept in British banks. These are colonial era tactics, tactics and still employed with regards of who controls the revenue from africa so he confirmed that the colonialism is still alive in africa and the british uh, government and the united states still use everything ha- everything that africa has for their benefits and he actually believes in this and they blame them to every single tragedy happens in africa and he's not the only the only one we can find like so many articles so many opinions that share the same opinion as, as this journalist.
1: Yeah. And uh,
0: sometimes first world
1: countries are, as we, as we can call them like that, uh, they go out of their ways to keep, as I said, the colonized feel colonized and feel like they will always stay behind and they will always follow. And, Generally, all the pain or most of the pain caused to these countries started by the colonialism of these powerful countries. So these powerful countries were powerful in a time and they used that very strategically. So they stay powerful throughout a very long time, even if that era was revoluted and they are no longer... um, staying or camping in those lands but they're still draining all the resources out of them somehow
0: yeah that's why like they are they mm-hmm. are always making sure to classify the world like um okay you you weren't okay with the third world we're gonna put you in the developing world you are not okay with the developing world let's go mm. with the global south like they are very insisting on the classification of the world just to make like they are in the first place and there is some countries in the second place and these countries um, can like should always uh, follow the, the, the what, what first countries do, do this is why like in this article and so many articles they they are sure that yeah yeah they are taking their uh, uh, their resources uh, in a legal way now so it's it's somehow they describe it with a neocolonialism. So they are colonized by these countries, but not with military and arms, but in in, in the modern way. So it's the neocolonialism as they call it. So like, what is the neocolonialism, Asala?
1: Yeah, well, as you said, they try in many, many ways to separate like the the powerful countries from the poor ones and the underdeveloped ones, but actually they, they kind of perpetuate and they kind of show this whole message of globalization and capitalism. And we're all the same and we all think the same and eat the same. But actually these are only ways to keep us following them without finding our own identity, our own ways of living, our own ways of, of destroying the chains that hold us from Having a strong economy and a cool and a good um, political polit- political system, I'm sorry. So, so, ways as globalization and imperialism and conditional aid. So, whenever actually needs help and or is in war, so these countries are gonna like uh, present help, but it's always tied to some very very um, handicap. Uh, is it a word? Very very respectful condition. You can call it like that. And this term, neocolonialism, was invented by Kwame Nikomara, who is the prime minister who was the prime minister of Ghana and later on the president of Ghana, who wrote a whole book on this term and defined modern way of colonialism is to always uh, remain following these countries without actually finding your own way of making it or
0: being yeah. a better control. So basically this this Ghanaian politician and later the president of Ghana was was the first one who um came up to this conclusion that this this is just a colonialism, but it is just more modern, without arms, without military. So he was the first one. It's very impressive yeah. you know, And he wrote a book about it. Yeah. So so using um, all
1: soft power, as we call it, and exactly. France and USA and France was last year classified as the first country using soft power, which means all those ways to share their culture, and whether it's by tourism or by movies or yes. any or by propaganda, any ways to share their culture and to show that they are better and they are good and they have very good things. And if the third word wants to be like them they need to follow their ways of development which is not always working you have to find your own way that actually is adapted to your society in order to reach that goal
0: so as it seems globalization uh, plays a huge role in in uh in the new colonialism and at so many people think as so many people think like they think that globalization is only about the international trade or is the only about the cultural side as making the whole world think the same but um in reality the, the the globalization is so much deeper than this so i'm going to read some lines from uh, the world health organization definition so they said it's the increased interconnectedness and interdependence of peoples and countries, it is generally understood to include two interrelated elements, international borders to increasingly fast flows of goods, services, finance, people, and ideas, and the changes in institution and policies at national and international levels that facilitate or promote such flows. So I'm gonna explain what does this mean? so basically this globalization thing has so much deep definition than we all thought it is like uh, it's deeper than the international trade or um the making the whole world have the same uh, cultural identity so it, it is um as the world Health organization said um it includes two parts like the first part is about open borders so um for the the international trade and also is like importing new ideas, new people, um, new uh, finance, new services. So I'm gonna give an example. Like the 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 United States have this, uh, uh, DV lottery thing. So in every in every year she it gives um, an opportunity to so many people around the world to have the green card and be uh, like. Um, and live in America and have their jobs in America, so it's it's um, it's like a type of uh, of importing new people and new ideas. And also, um, not not only that, like um, the biggest universities in in the U, in the United States um, opens their doors to people who want to do some research project. Um, so you're just gonna pay some an amount of money, and you have to and you go to do your um, your research pro- project there, and if they find that you're very interesting, uh, interested, like your project is very interested, they, they're gonna support you and have you for, for, for them somehow. Um, so it's all some examples on how the United States support, like the United States as a country, um, support um, new ideas, new people, a new project from all around the world. And also the second part of this globalization is about about, um, uh, like making the national level to an international level, like every case, um, like every case in the whole country, in in all uh, world countries, um, every case, it's not just on the national level, so it becomes at the international level, um, by by um, uh, the the how to say, it, like uh, um, like the United Nations and so many organizations have the right to get into uh, these national cases and make it to in the, in the to the international levels. So basically, it's so much deeper than this. And plus, than all of that, the the, the cultural sides. So
1: so, as you said, globalization had many aspects financial and uh, economic and cultural and we can see that it allowed the traffic or all talents or opinions or people uh as you said many universities around the world, not just the u s a opened scholarships to have as many people as they can to have as many talented and these people are very well picked, and there are Organizations that um, kind of make this globalization more concrete, such like such as the WHO and the UN. You know that uh, there are big organizations that have many many countries in them, and they kind of work on making rules and kind of an international law that everyone will follow and international guidance. So. Make sure that we all we all kind of agree on their stuff and we all are going to have the same behavior kind of creating a world culture not just like a country's culture but it's like a counter culture so that's important what we should know is that globalization has a high price to have a strong opinion on these organizations well, you have to contribute more like the more you pay the more you're heard and sometimes as you are trying to be the world leader or to be heard worldwide that can be bad for inside your country and um, as you're spending money outside well limited resources and you need to kind of find the balance and become in like spending money and investing in becoming the world leader, but also kind of investing in your country and having enough infrastructures and kind of developing your economy, your education, and so on. So that's why we see the rise of the right wing and people voting for Trump for the Brexit, because they don't want to contribute in the world wealth or in the world race to be the leaders while they are not okay. As we said, globalization uh, allowed others to discover other countries, other people, people who can work for cheap, countries who don't care about, envir- how can I say, Enver- environment, environmental, environmental taxes, so they don't care if you pollute. So you will dislocate your factories in those countries and pay their workers less but um the people in your country well they're not getting hired because you prefer paying less people from uh, overseas so the people in your country will get mad because they're not getting hired and unemployment is thing so you see that governments try to kind of balance both so they would buy shares of the company so uh, so, um, so they can take some decisions, and they keep everything local, or most of the things local. It is getting very hard. Such as, I'm going to give an example, like France. Uh, it got used to dislocating all its factories. So, when they needed masks on this um, on this pandemic, well, they found out that their country is actually unindustrial. Well, it was from the first countries who started the industrial revolution. So they found themselves incapable of, of, um, making new masks and kind of satisfying their population in this time of crisis. So yes, globalization is great. Being able to invest is heard. Spread is something amazing, but you should make sure that in your nation, well, you can be sufficient and you can kind of answer your needs. So that's very important too. And we need to find a balance between that because both, uh, both parties are important, both elements are important, so... And I think this is what being the leader of a country, you have to make sacrifices and choices. And every choice is a sacrifice. Like the more, like any, any time or any situation, and you pick a choice, well you know that uh, you're giving out something big and something that has its importance too. why every government has its um has its opposition because they're, they're all being left out and something not picked and not I'm I'm going very, very political right here.
0: (laughs) So yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. As as what you were saying, like, clearly after this pandemic, the world is going to change. Like, um, as you said, Trump is going to stop supporting the World Health Organization. And with France finding out that uh, it is on lack of, uh, of uh, industry. Um, so basically, they're, they're going to change their strategy. And this whole globalization thing is going to take another another road. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, as I said, it's very expensive to be on with globalization and to keep up with it. So, um, so the, a lot of changes are going to be made. Uh, recently, I think that the EU voted for a law that will kind of unify the budget of the EU, but a lot of countries that are conservative and they want to kind of protect themselves, they don't want to pay for lazy European countries. They said they're going to pump out 700 uh, billions of euros into the economies of countries that had that suffered, either from East Europe or Or Southern Europe, just like Spain and uh, Greece, they say that, and um, Portugal, they say that they didn't even try to fight the pandemic. And now they're having issues, but it's not the fault of countries that actually tried. So they're kind of in a fight and they want to, they are trying to find a nice agreement and negotiation. So it is very expensive to stay in the lead. And it is very expensive to say on a to say on a powerful group. So the world is going to change. I think that the right wing, as I said, is more out there, and um, people are trying to get back to their roots. Um, they try out a way to think a little bit more uh, on the dem- what they can do for their country. And uh, yeah, a lot of presidents are having trouble with are people saying, well, you rather feed them to not feed us. So uh, yeah, so it's very, very complicated. I think, and I think that this word word, I kind of, because we are not seeing, like in our case, neighbors not feeding us. we just taking so should kind of left out from this discussion they just on um, on themselves because even with this every country every country like when the huge crisis like this happens well every country people and um, they won't they wouldn't care of, of their neighbors or anything else and and it's not even possible. Like the depend, our airlines were were on hold, so it's not. It was not impossible to connect and to work together, but each one of us had to work for itself. And we noticed a lot of, um, in all countries, noticed a lot of uh, kind of weaknesses in their country that they, they are trying to work on. So I think that it's a great thing that we reflected on our situation and we noticed and we considered things that we have to work on. And I think that this is a, and this is the case for a lot of countries. So if the world is going to change whether the decisions that we're going to take are going to be good or bad. Well, decisions are going to be taken. And I feel like there, there is going to be a change.
0: Yeah, like this pandemic showed um, the weaknesses points of each country and of this globalization as a whole thing
1: yeah totally Mm -hmm. countries don't want to rely on others
0: anymore they just want to do it themselves even though like for so many years we thought that this globalization works for the leaders countries and it is on their benefits like now um, we, we've seen that even this globalization, even if it was in their benefits, like there are some weaknesses points of this globalization or, and for these unions. And um, as you said, every country should care for, for itself only.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, globalization allowed, um, allowed a strong, big, powerful countries to attract all the human the good human resources and all the the pure resources you know the material resources by its power by interfering other countries and get it by force so globalization allows the strong countries to be stronger and to develop so now that the third world probably is going to notice that it's going to be i think they're going to revolt that and try to be strong too and try to attract resources themselves i hope so this is what I, i'm hoping
0: yeah for. we're hoping so <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's it's very complicated this whole thing like when you try to figure out what's going on in the world it's very complicated and this pandemic thing has its its own effect on the whole world like for for so many years everything was going just like the leaders worlds were wanting it to be like they have their controls on the trade on on the money and monetary exchange on the international um bank but now even this like this pandemic shows the weaknesses points of of, of this globalizations
1: yeah exactly it showed it didn't it showed the of globalization but it showed that Because for many years we believed that globalization is the answer and it is something great and it is something good. Well, it showed its weaknesses now. Now we know that sometimes when traffic is not allowed, when you cannot transfer goods or people, things might go down and you may be stuck with the things you made with your hands in your country. So I think that people are going to focus. I think they're going to work on what they have first with wanting to export or import things let's see what we can do like what we can produce with our own
0: elements of production that's very really important yeah hopefully the third world countries are going to figure out um are going to figure out what they have to do next like um so many presidents were Uh, for so many years tried to uh, show like i'm talking about the presence of African countries Um, they Mm -hmm. they tried to show the threat uh, that they were facing um, uh, facing when this globalization and this organization were were installing they tried to show the threat that we shouldn't really relay on this um, organization or um, on this um, international bank because we need to work on our own resources, our own um, our own goods. Um, but but until now, like uh, they could figure out what they were what they were facing.
1: Exactly, and like we grew up with a proverb that said, "We're only well served when we are served by ourselves." So we really need to kind of follow that. Uh, code and follow that proverb and actually trying to kind of work with it because it's very important to have our own industrial forces though in other countries it might seem attractive like the element uh, of production are very very cheap but uh, they are very very risky and they are very very far away and in case of of a pandemic like this well the whole chain of, of production is going to be broken and Even if you get the production done, you won't be able to transfer the goods. So it's, uh, as I said, it's very, well, it's the point that we have to focus on. It's very
0: important. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully it's going to be a positive point for our country and other countries. We really hope so.
1: Exactly, yeah. It's going to be great
0: if we manage to do that. Yeah. So... Like this conversation wouldn't have an end if we start talking, we wouldn't stop. Like it includes so many points, so many, so many points to talk about. Um, so I guess we'll stop here. And basically we talked about the most important points that we wanted to show, um, like to answer the, the main question of this podcast um starting with um the origins of the appala- the, the appellation of um third world, going to other labels and um and how um the countries of the first world were always focusing on classifying classi- doing a classification for for the word making making it always the de- divided on two parts the first and uh, the first world and the third world and other countries that are depending on the first world and how um africans always uh, realize this and try to um show the the danger they were facing and and yeah so many things we so many things are happening in the world and yeah what do you want to say
1: yeah totally well we always say if you can um, beat them join them but what if we switch that and we say what if, if you can join them Beat them if we can join the yeah. first sure, try to learn from their lessons, try to Indiana. learn because they are ahead of us and we cannot deny that. And they made a lot of mistakes that we can reflect on and use their uh, experiences in a lot of things and learn from that. So we can beat them one day,
0: yeah. So so it was it was like an inevitable fate until this pandemic that now we're hoping that it's going to be a positive point for the third world it's something mm-hmm. like that I'm hoping for that so this was a very fun conversation i really really enjoyed talking to you asala thank you very much for joining me today
1: thank you so much i had a great time
0: yeah, I, I really enjoyed. Um, and for all who listen to this podcast, don't hesitate sharing your thoughts with us. We'll be glad to know what you think about this topic. And you can also follow the main page of Suxi on Facebook or Instagram. And also you can be part of the group Saxy English Community. Um, so to another podcast. Have a good day. Thank you.